G'day community, it's JB here with Pistol for a round two review. Pistol, how'd your week go, buddy? Yeah, not too badly. Um, I think I scored just a bit above average, scoring uh, 2,242, which now puts me at uh, 1,664 overall. How about you? 1,660, that's very, very good to start. Um, I scored 22.99, and I'm sitting just at 329th overall. So definitely my best start ever in Supercoach. Um, it was just good to have my premiums performing again. Um, all those players that I was really, really iffy about to start the season have started well and backed it up for a second week. Who are your outstanding players, Pete? Look, let's let's cut the... the, the the crap. I know what you're going to say. You're going to want to talk about Higgins. Just let it out. Get it off your chest. Tell us how good he was again this week. I, th- I think he did all right. I mean, I wasn't following his score or anything, but somewhere up in the in the high of 120s, I think. Oh, oh, no, 130 this week. Um, Not too bad for a player priced at 426, 400. So, j- honestly though, Pistol, do you see him finishing in the top five forwards and is he a target for you? Um, I actually, at this rate, he's definitely going to finish in the top five forwards. He just looks unreal. I, I mean, watching that game, he was absolutely everywhere. In the very first quarter, he had three goal assists. So he directly set up three goals. And he also obviously kicked two goals himself for the rest of the game. So he just had an absolute blinder, usable so well. He's playing as a pure midfielder. And honestly, I can't really see many forwards beating him this year so for me he's definite upgrade target i would love to get him this week if i could afford him unfortunately i don't think it's possible so i'm going to have to wait and see who knows what happens with his injury history he did get a hard knock late in the game seemed to pull up all right so maybe times are changing because the older higgins would have probably uh walked off after that but yeah it's uh, been a good start for your boy we did say last week when he scored 111 that he did that with no goals. This week he's gone 111 plus 20 for those two goals. So it's good to see a bit of consistency in his game early. Um, other players that seem to back it up really well, um, Bontempelli comes to mind and Tom Mitchell and even Selwood. Some some point of difference midfielders really backing it up well after the first round. Yeah, Bontempelli seems to have not stopped improving basically I was a bit worried that maybe he would have uh, stagnated after last year just with all the Bulldogs midfielders coming back into that side but it doesn't seem like it's affected him at all he wins his own ball he kicks goals Um, you know I think everyone saw him um, take a good grab contested grab in the goal square and kick kick a goal when the game's on the line it's just worth bulk amount of points and honestly he's looking like a fantastic primo pick and he's going to be one of my first upgrade targets yeah he's definitely very high on my radar and if i didn't start with pendlebury he'd also be up there people doubted him without achilles um scare going into the first round but he just continues to put up points and is just one of the best super coach players of all time do you want to talk about your boy pendles <laughs> There's not really much to say. I mean, um, I had him locks and didn't touch him, and I'm sure a lot of people might uh, regret not starting him now. It's not too late. I think he's not going to go up that much in price. He's probably just going to hover um, around between six hundred and seven hundred thousand. So you don't really, 
you're not probably going to get him cheaper and you're probably not going to be paying um, an extra arm and a leg for him. We'll pick him up at some stage of the season, I'm sure, as long as it uh, doesn't cause chaos with that round 13 buy. Yeah, no doubt. And on to some more negative news. Um, when you look at some of the players that performed well last week, like Heath Shaw and Rory Laird, and even Jack Still and even Gary Ablett, the great man, um, some of them just couldn't back it up this week. Uh, did you see anything specifically wrong with them or changes in their role or was it just a filthy week for a few of them well i did notice that uh hanabry did have 25 uh uh, center bounce attendances which was the highest for the swans with jpk so he wasn't so much stuck on that half forward flank wing that we saw in the first round he actually his positioning was 10 times better than round one he just didn't get the ball. He was always around it. Um, he was close to it. At least he was on screen this time. <laughs> but he's not scoring. So it's a little bit of a worry, but I'm less worried than I was in the first week just because he was definitely around this time rather than disappearing in the first game. So for those with Hanbury, I don't envy being in your position because I'm still on the fence of about what to do with him. But I think you might get away with him um, being safe and just holding him. I'm not sure he'll be worth the trade. On the other hand, Heath Shaw, the ball didn't go into the back line, JB. What can you do when you're one of the best backmen and the ball's just not there? How are you possibly going to score well? He almost snuck up and kicked a goal. He had a snap from the, the pocket, and I, do, I don't even know how he got up there, but that was how he was getting his points. He was pushing so far up the ground at some stages just to warm himself up. Um, they won by 102 points, so... Just a, a really odd game there, and Shaw just didn't see it. And as with the lad, if you looked at his first half performance, it was um, almost up at that 70 mark already. It was, I think it was 56 or somewhere. And that was with Hawthorne having beaten the Crows in that first half. As soon as Crows got back on top and somewhat dominated that second half, it was very back and forth, I know. Um, but when they got on top of the um, Hawks, you just saw Laird getting less of the ball. It just didn't really go into his um, positioning that much more after that. So um, those back when you just have to you have to take the bumps with them sometimes and just be happy they started off so well. Uh, Jack Steele, on the other hand, he started off very poorly. It took him uh, a quarter and a half to get off the negative, I believe. It, it's just exceptional from Steele. He could not find the pill, but ended up with a decent score with... 65 so not too bad recovery from him yeah i think he had 16 touches in the second half um he moved into the midfield in the second half he was playing more forward early in the game i think now with uh, that jack steven injury he'll probably get even more midfield time so i'm not too worried about jack Steele, especially playing brisbane this week at eddie had i think um he's going to be in for a good game yeah he should bounce back very nicely for steel owners i wouldn't get too concerned very soon for those with Gary Ablett pistol, they've got Hawthorne this week. Would you be concerned going in with Gaz? He didn't look like himself out there. He honestly was walking behind the ball and barely even looked like he wanted to touch it. I think this game will be a good test because uh, traditionally he does pretty well against Hawthorne as they don't generally employ some sort of tag. So they've let him run free in the past and he's had some really high scoring games against Hawthorne. Um, if he's not going to score well this week, I'm not sure if he's going to end up being in one of those top 10 options. It's a bit strange because it's the great man himself. But, yeah, it's not. It's looking pretty unhappy, uh, Mr. Ablett. I think all this media attention about his future and everything, it might be getting to him a little bit. It's a bit hard to judge. I'm not sure. I'd, uh, I'm glad I didn't start him, to be honest. And if you did start him, you probably have to just stick fat and hope that he uh, pulls out a big one for you this week. 
Yeah, his break-even's already up to 171, so it is a bit concerning for those Abla owners. Um, Hannibal owners are probably shaking their head thinking, what's wrong with you guys? You got a ton last week, so um, it's just whatever whatever's wrong with your team, you tend to put a magnifying glass to it. Ablett, hopefully he bounces back this week, but he's still averaging 93.5, so um, it's, not, uh, it's not the worst-case scenario yet. And looking forward past the premiums, let's have a look at some rookies pistol. Um, I'd like you to just go through maybe a top five of rookies that if you hadn't started the year with, ones that you'd be rushing to get into your squad. And maybe those more likely that people wouldn't have started with. Um, And then maybe even a top five players that you'd be getting out for those rookies, ones that haven't started as well. Um, Shoot, mate. That was certainly a big question, but I think the first one and the person that's on everyone's mind at the moment is Will Huskin Elliott. He's averaging 104 uh, coming off of 120 last week, and he has a break-even of minus 85. So he's actually projected to go up 150K in just two weeks. So for those that don't have him, I'd highly suggest getting in Will Huskin Elliott. Um, I wouldn't trade like a primo for him, but if you can get him in a reasonable means necessary, just, just grab him while you can. Uh, March Bank as well, even though he's only got a break-even of minus 43, he's going at a 90 average, and I really, really think that he's not... He's, he's actually going to be a really just solid pick. He could hover at D6 for a lo- for well into the season, so he would also be high on my list. I think this next one, you kind of had to start. Otherwise, I'm not sure how you'd get him in. And it's Jared Witts, who... You and I have at R2, which is going well. I think uh, big tick for Wits at R2. He's averaging 90.5 with a break-even of minus 56. He's 217K, so he's also expected um, to make a quick 100K for us. If I had to pick two more, I'm not going to say Sam Powell Pepper because it's just a, it's too obvious. If I had to pick another one, maybe Dan Butler because he seems locked into the 22 uh, for Richmond at the moment, and only at 123k, uh, it's a bit cheaper than the other pricier 200k plus rookie. So, Dan Butler is someone I, I'd have high on my list. And then after that, it's kind of a mixed bag. There's um, some defenders with dodgy job security. There's some midfielders who have terrible uh, scoring terribly, and then there's other forwards who, who knows, they're going to be hit and miss the whole season. So. I didn't answer your question because I didn't give you five, but there's certainly a, a top four. Tell us, tell us maybe a bit about uh, Dan Houston because I'm not too familiar with him. Let let me you know a Port fan's perspective going into round three. It's it's very strange, and I wish I could provide more insight, but I actually don't know what Dan Houston will be doing either. Um, I'm a big believer in Ken rewarding players, especially young players, for playing good footy and. When you think about it, though, Pittard has to come back into this squad. He's already earned his stripes, and he will come straight back in. There's no doubt about it. There, there won't be a warm-up match. He'll be in the squad. Um, the player that goes out for him, at the start of the season, I would have easily said Dan Houston. But having watched our games and seen our form, I don't think you can drop him just yet until he has an absolute stinker. At this point, I'd be pointing the finger towards but Darcy Byrne Jones or even potentially Impey, it's just very difficult. But at the moment, I think Dan Houston's safe. Having said that, I, I wouldn't trade him in just because that could change from week to week. One bad week in the showdown this week, and he could be out the next. So it's just he's probably in that 19 to 22 player bracket of people that'll get dropped, sort of thing. So he's hanging on the edge. 
What about Andy Otten, Pistol? Um, he's sort of in a similar position and almost, I'm sure he would have almost made that top five. Um, how's his job security, do you think? Uh, Andy Otten's a pretty interesting case. So for those that missed it, uh, Josh Jenkins went down with a, a lung injury, or a rib and lung injury. So Andy Otten ended up having to play as a second ruck and then he moved into the forward line. He was outstanding, I thought. He, if, if Jenkins is out, then um, Andy Otten will definitely play next week. However, if Jenkins is back and Jake Lever comes back, then Andy Otten is still at risk, even after a great game of being dropped. So he's always going to have question marks around his job security. I think he'll be safe for next week. I'm not sure Jenkins is going to actually play, but it's he's really a week-by-week basis if he's going to stay in that side, although he does have a break-even of minus 82, so he's also going to make a lot of money really quickly. If I did have him, I might gamble on him if his name this week and, and would get him in, but it's really your call because there is every possibility that he doesn't even get a game after round four or so. Yeah, and he's in a similar spot to Dan Houston. He's going to really earn his spot. Um, so that's the players you trade in. Um, someone has to make way for these players. So maybe just um, could you rattle off potentially just three players that you'd push out the way for those um, high-scoring, fast-out-the-blocks rookies that you'd get in, Pistol? Well, I think if anyone started with Cam McCarthy, you've just got to trade him now, especially if you don't have Will Hoskin Elliott. That would be the easiest trade in history. Cam McCarthy, he has a break-even of 53, so he's actually got a chance of dropping in price and becoming a, a cash cow. Um, considering he's averaging 32, yes, that's correct, 32, he's expected to drop in price this week. If he makes his way down to the 150k mark, he might be an option to trade in in the future, given he only needs to have one good game to get a big score and, and push back up his price. He would be definitely first out for me. If I had to pick another player, it's a bit tough. There's a couple players who all look uh, pretty dodgy. I think uh, my favorite one and everyone's favorite one is Jared Pickett. He's 123k, and he has a slight chance of dropping in price. His break-even is 8, so he should beat that. But given he's only averaging 31, I'm not entirely sure how much money Jared Pickett is going to make us. But then again, I'm not sure it's worth burning a trade given there's a lack of options to trade him to. I know you said only pick one more. I can't really decide between um, a Bose, a Florent, and a Simpkin. I'd probably keep Simpkin uh, above the other two options, but all of them have a break-even that's uh, around the 10 mark with an average of around 45. So... Look, they're probably only going to make you 30k, um, which is not enough at all. So, yeah, with these rookies, you just need to either make up your mind that you're trading them this week or you're in it for the long haul and you're just going to hold them until they have that one big game, push up their price, uh, or another better rookie comes along in a couple of weeks. That You are correct in you have to commit to these players if you're committing to them. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have to commit to not having a player if you can't get him in this week. So if you can't get Will Hoskinelli in and you're not willing to part with a Taranto or someone like that, you're literally you, you're stopping yourself from getting him ever because he's going to get such a big price range that it won't it probably won't be worth it after this week. So it's um it's very risky and it's very dicey because we all know Taranto could go off and Will Hoskinelli could have a poor one next game and trades are so valuable. So it's a tough one. And on that pistol. 
I'd actually like to ask about that exact trade. It's been very popular this week. Tim Taranto to Will Hoskin Elliott. It's only a 5K difference, and Taranto's break-even's at zero, so it's not even in the negatives, whereas Will Hoskin Elliott's is negative 85, as you said earlier, with an average of 104. How tempted are you by that side swap? Is it a corrective trade that you're willing to make, or is it too early to jump off of a rookie? Uh, it's definitely fraught with danger. However, I do believe uh, Taranto is probably going to make us maybe maximum 100k. He's looking at peaking based on his projected scores of, of around that 80 to 90k mark. I think he'll get to about 100k profit. Hoskin Elliott, on the other hand, could make us up to 200k or even more if he pops out another 120. He'll make us well, uh, well and truly more than 100, uh, well and truly more than 200k. I think. If you have the extra cash to go from Taranto to Hoskin Elliott, just do it because you're going to make an extra 100k with that trade. And to be honest, it's a tough call. People, a lot of people have inboxed us. I know I'm going a bit off track. Should I trade Roughhead to Hoskin Elliott? Roughhead has a break-even of 57. If you want to trade him, I'm definitely not against it. I'll personally be holding him, but... It's pretty tempting, I must say, to trade a roughhead to a Hoskin Elliott, bank 150k, wait two weeks for Hoskin Elliott to go up 150k, and then use that money, that 150k um, that you've banked from that trade, and then you can afford someone that's 500k or just over 500k, just say a buddy, in two weeks' time. So there's certainly a way to make a quick buck there. I'm not sure if I'm game enough to pull it, knowing roughhead's got Gold Coast this week, and you know we saw how good Gold Coast were this weekend. Um, each to their own. Personally, I would trade Toronto and not Roughhead, but what your, your thoughts might be different, JB. I can't believe you didn't just mention Higgins as the upgrade target and you said Buddy instead. <laughs> it's true. It's unbelievable, to be honest, how you people still don't rate Higgins. No, I think uh, he's certainly a good option, but if you are talking about 500k options, Higgins going to be 600k, so couldn't afford him anyway. Ah, oh, there you go. Okay, yeah, you've made up for it now. You're in my good <laughs> books again. <laughs> um, on those players that, while we're talking about trading in and trading out, having a look at the most traded in players this week, there is a couple up there that I just don't know if they can hold their form pistol. Um, Clayton Oliver and Mark Murphy are two that spring to mind. But when you look at their prices, 382k for Clayton and 432k for Mark Murphy, they both have negative break-evens. That's insane. But what players would you be trading to these two players? Um, now that's what's not really adding up for me. Could you shed a little bit of light on who you would potentially trade to either of these two players? Yeah, it's a bit of a tough call. I think there's a lot of people that are trading like a Jaeger O'Meara. Maybe, I guess, if you had an injured midfielder like Jack Stephen, uh, you might want to go to a Mark Murphy. I should say, if you are going to get Mark Murphy, get him because you think he's going to be a keeper for the whole season or you think he's going to be a top 10, 15 midfielder. Don't get him as a cash cow because there's better cash cows than Mark Murphy. I know he might score well in the meantime, but you're trading probably a primo or a mid-pricer down to a rookie to, to get that money to get Mark Murphy in the first place. So you're losing points there and it all comes out in the wash anyway. He's probably going to make 100, maybe 150K if you're really lucky, but he is going to take up a valuable midfield spot. So he's someone that I would pass on uh, personally, unless you happen to be in the situation of an injured midfielder or you've picked some other midfielder that's not performing and you think Mark Murphy's going to continue above 115 average for the whole season. Clayton Oliver, on the other hand, he does come in at 50K cheaper. 
I'm not quite sure what he's capable of averaging. I'd expect it to be around 100. I think he might be a better pick than Murphy just because he's got that extra 50k that he can make um, given he probably matches Murphy um, going for the next half a dozen games or so. I don't know if I would pick Oliver for a primo. If maybe I want to sideways roughhead to Clayton Oliver via DPP, I think you could do that if you're weak in the midfields. If you're if you're pushing like a Powell Pepper to the bench to do that, then don't do that trade um, just because you'll end up losing points from it. If you have a very weak midfield, then yes, I might trade roughhead to a Clayton Oliver. So I'll give you a bit of a situation. I don't want to harp on about this for too long. But if you had Jack Stephen in the midfield, would you rather find the 5K or potentially already have the 5K and go up to a Tom Mitchell who could is looking like he's definitely going to be a keeper for the season? Or would you go down to Mark Murphy or Clayton Oliver, pocket that cash, ride them all the way up and then trade to a, a premium? It might seem a little bit obvious, but is there anything that people are missing here? I think a lot of it depends if you've had another mid-pricer that's failed and if you could downgrade a Jack Steven to maybe a Clayton Oliver and then upgrade your other mid-pricer to a primo that you missed out on, that might be a better option. However, from the facts you've given me, I'd just say find 5K and get Titch because Tom Mitchell is looking unreal at the moment and I'd say he's a certainty for um, a top 15 midfielder, probably a top 10 midfielder. And yeah, just write a good thing while is uh, that price. I'm not sure people will be able to, to get him at 565k again throughout the season. The last player that I'm going to ask about getting traded in, it is a little bit concerning, but form doesn't lie, I guess. But Sam Reed's going at 107 average with a negative 56 break even at 275k. Again, I'm struggling to find who you'd actually trade to Sam Reed if it isn't Steel or Roughhead, which I wouldn't advise. But would you be doing any of those trades anyway? Well, Sam Reed is looking phenomenal at the moment. He's just banging in the goals. <laughs> this this just reminds me of uh, Jared Waite last year when he came out firing and we said, don't get Waite, don't get Waite. He's going to do poorly. He's going to average 70. And then he went like six weeks at above 140 and uh, made everyone lots of money. And here we were saying not to get him and he made us look bad. So I'm not willing to say don't get Sam Reed because he needs to kick goals to keep scoring well because he very much might just keep kicking goals and scoring well. He plays a weak Collingwood defense this week. Probably plays on his brother. Probably kicks a few goals on his brother. Uh, personally, I wouldn't get him in and I would definitely prioritize getting in Hoskin Elliott over him. However, if you do have some failed experiment, maybe a Hrovat or something, and for some reason you already have Hoskin Elliott and there's no other options you want, then go for Sam Reed. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying telling people again Sam Reed. I already regret regret the words coming out of my mouth, JB. Well, form doesn't lie, Pistol, so let's just roll with it and hopefully puts out another good score for those who own him. Uh, so we're going to jump off of the trading in and out now and go around the grounds a little bit. There were a few notable performances in the lower leagues this week. Would you like to go through a couple, Pistol? Yeah, sure. I think um, the few major ones um, were Harley Bellick, who was a standout performer for Peel Thunder over the weekend. He got 30 touches and 11 marks. And in the press conference, Ross Lyon stated that he is willing to play kids now because... They obviously need to. They're, they're not looking fantastic over at Fremantle. So Bellick looks going to look like a really, really good downgrade option coming in at 123k. 
um, is forward and um, pretty sure he's a midfielder as well. So he gives you that flexibility and yeah, I actually can't wait to get him in my side. Um, he's certainly going to be better than Pickett, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, not many players could be worse than Pickett. Um, a couple of Adelaide play- boys played really well in the Sanford over the weekend. Um, Harrison Wig played his regular wing halfback flank role, picked up 22 touches with seven inside 50s and a goal. So many of that many people expected him to be in the Adelaide's first team. Um, he could be in for a call-up if injury strikes, but I think it's too difficult to get anyone out of that squad at the moment considering how they're performing. Uh, there is a showdown this week, so there's always a chance someone gets a, a high bump and misses a week, but um, the other one was Jake Lever, so looking good coming back from injury. 18 disposals, 6 marks across half back. Um, maybe he pushes Otten out, but I think Otten's really taking up that Jenkins role, so um, it could be interesting to see what happens at the selection table. Lever could come straight in for Jenkins. Otten could play that ruck forward, keep his spot. We, like, we just don't know with Adelaide. Yeah, and uh, on to the Nefal. There's a few few good performances. Jared Berry, the defender midfielder that everyone was hot on at the beginning of the season, he returned for his first game of the season since uh, hurting his knee, and he got 29 touches, 12 marks, and a goal for a defender. That's uh, phenomenal, and I really hope he can keep up that form because if he does, he'll be straight into that Brisbane side. Uh, Hugh McLuggage also returned. He kicked a goal, and he got through the game, but he wasn't as uh, impressive as Barry. And uh, lastly, Matt Kennedy from GWS. He bounced back after being cut in round one, and he had 30 touches, seven tackles, and a goal. He might get a call up again, and hopefully this time for his sake he stays in the side, doesn't get cut immediately. He, he just needs to turn that needful form into AFL form, and then he might provide some people with value um, early on. Yeah, definitely. Um, he could be a very, very good option for those who get players that peak too early. Um, Looking into the VFL now, and your boy Matthew Scharenberg started slowly but worked into the game, made good decisions, and had plenty of intercept possessions. So that looks very good for people that were hot on him early. Um, if he can get a gig in a few weeks' time, maybe Curtly Hampton could be looking at his max price, or Otten could be getting dropped around that time. Um, and some bad news was Sam Menegola had 35 touches, 7 tackles, 5 marks, and a goal. Um, he looks likely to get the upgrade into the Cats team. Um, he was best 22 for the best part of last year, um, especially towards the end of the season. And does that mean Brandon Parfit makes way for him after his shocker against North Melbourne pistol? Yeah, I was so excited about Parfit. I think he was on 25 at quarter time. He had like five touches and a goal about 10 minutes into the first quarter. And I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. And I think he ended with like eight touches and didn't do anything for the rest of the game. And he barely scored any points um, after quarter time. So that was pretty depressing. And I think he's uh, definitely in danger of losing his spot. Uh, Hopefully he can get a couple more weeks out. But uh, with uh, Sam and Joel having fine form, I'm not sure he's going to last. I think uh, we should talk about a couple of the first game players that played on the weekend because they might be uh, different downgrade options. If you guys decide to pass on rookies this week, um, maybe just grab a Hoskin Elliott and do no other trades. Uh, Will Haywood from the Swans uh, looks very, very good, and he was uh, quite a big ball winner as well. I think um, Cheese and I were talking about him um, on one of the earlier podcasts. He's only 121K, and he looks brilliant for Swans, and he's definitely going to get a gig this week. 
and he scored an 82, which is really good, and hopefully he just holds his spot, um, which is similar to how I feel about Nick Newman, who finally got his chance in the Sydney backline, and he was also very solid, scoring a 73. He's someone that I'm looking to get in for Mitch Hibbard, um, not this week, but the week after, given uh, if Nick Newman's name for a third game. There was another Swans uh, debutant, um, Robbie Fox. He wasn't as good. He is, he is a 102K midfielder, so it is nice to have a midfield option, but he did only score 44, and I'm not sure that he's going to hold his spot. Um, but it's a wait and see at this stage. Teams haven't been announced, but certainly they're players to look forward to coming in soon. I think the last one was um, Tia Miles uh, from Hawthorne. With Birchall out for four to eight weeks, um, it opens up a spot for Miles. He just needs to play well to hold it. I think Ryan Burton's going to definitely be a lock in that side um, at 254k because he looks unreal. Miles just went about his business, uh, got a solid enough 47, probably wants to push closer to 60 this week for people to have a real um, strong look at him. He is a mid-forward at 123k as well. Does that... Uh, Pretty much cover cover everything, JB? I think so. I'm just having a look through now and can't see any that you've missed. So very good wrap on those players. Um, do we want to now head over to the Cancer Council and do a couple more shout-outs, Pistol? Yeah, so uh, the Cancer Council is still looking relatively healthy. It's got... Uh, we're up to $486.40. That's huge. We, it, is, it is a very good effort. So thanks very much, everyone, for your generosity. Um should say thanks again to Jack. He's pretty much getting a call out in every week. You might be <laughs> thinking there was no Zach Jones tax this week because Zach Jones got under 90. However, our poor friend Jack did get a donut for Goldie's late out and therefore has donated $10 to charity. The um, <laughs> he, He's... Can't catch a break, poor Jack. He's, I feel uh, sorry for him. At least it's going to a good cause, but he's, um, <laughs> yes, he's already donated three times to the charity. The Donate for Donuts is back, so that's just a small pledge for, even if it's a dollar for every donut you cop throughout the year, it all helps. Um, so please, if that's something that you can get, get behind, pledge a couple of dollars per donut and hopefully for your sake you don't get any donuts throughout the year but if you do then uh, please donate to the charity and uh, a small update um, on Ben's team from last week if you remember the world's best 8 year old he did take our advice and trade um, Silk Sean Burgoyne to JJ as suggested and he is now into 40th overall which is unbelievable So need tips from him yeah, I've actually um, going to get ready to ask him for advice in the future because there's no <laughs> point listening to me when, when he's got it all figured out and he's only eight. So he's this game's too easy for him, <laughs> to, to be honest. <laughs> he's only going to get better. He's a rising star. <laughs> he's a lock. He's more of a lock than Power Pepper to take out the, the rising star. <laughs> um, and on to the group rankings, Pistol. Um, we've got some really high-ranked players that we forgot to shout out last week, which I'm going to put the blame on you for that one. Um, let's give them their overdue shout-out now. Yeah, so um, I should go to James first. Uh, MT All-Stars, MTM All-Stars, I should say. Last week, uh, he he was first in the Dr. Supercoach group with a ranking of 38 overall, which was fantastic. Uh, this week, he did even better, actually. He's moved up into 18th overall, so that's unbelievable. And he's actually second, so 
pretty tough being 18th overall and being <laughs> second in the Dr. Supercoach group. Uh, we have the Socceroo fan, Jamie, who is coming 16th overall. So, look, they're well ahead of the pack in 16th and 18th overall. So, Keep going, guys, and hopefully you can uh, take out the title for for Dr. Supercoach. Yeah, great job, and jot your name down for an interview first thing if you do take out that title. Um, it's good to see our followers getting high up in the rankings. Um, I don't know if it's our advice, or maybe they listen to us and do the opposite to what we do, which could be beneficial, but um, it's just great to see the community members getting up there. It's always good to see everyone comment their ranks, um, and then when they're high up there, it just makes this whole thing feel better, so... Um, keep killing it community um, and that will pretty much wrap us up Pistol have you got anything left to say? Oh, I think I've said too much this podcast I, I think I felt like I've talked the entire time sorry about that JB I tend to agree um, I'm not even sure why I came on here it could have just been a Pistol with Pistol podcast oh dear it sounds like a nightmare <laughs> yeah it would have the lowest tuning in base but that's fine um, thanks for joining me Pistol it was great talking to you um, definitely catch us on iTunes SoundCloud link to all those will be on the Facebook along with the Supercoach Championship ring. Also, go check out the charity link, which will be in the comments. Um, also, whack down a comment. Um, tell us how you feel about the podcast, what we can improve on, whether we should get rid of Pistol or not, because I'm really contemplating it. <laughs> and we will see you next week. First of all, we'll see you Friday, but we'll see you next week after that. Thank you, Pistol. No worries, and good luck, JB. Hopefully, you can crack the top 100 when we talk next. Lock it in, mate. Higo will take me all the way to number one. Captain this week. Oh, that that is a very big call. I, hopefully, hopefully you hold to it because I'm going to ask you about it next week. Call you out. On that. <laughs> no, I'm too scared. <laughs> all right, thank you, community. Bye. See ya.